HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Appeal. Appeal is a plant-based protective layer that helps produce last up to twice as long. Learn more at appeal.com. Welcome to Jupiter's Almanac. I'm Matthew Rayford, the great-great-great-grandson of Jupiter Gilliard, a former enslaved who bought the land I now farm in Georgia nearly 150 years ago. Through the years, my ancestors have passed on some essential and hard-earned wisdom about growing and producing the food we eat. It's my great honor to share that inheritance with you and to invite other farmers and cooks from Georgia and around the country to share their tips with you. So if you are just starting out, reconnecting with the land, or a seasoned farmer, cook, or chef, join the conversation. This week is the season finale of Jupiter's Almanac. Thanks for coming along with us during season one as we talked about chickens and oysters and rice, and most importantly, the people behind the foods we eat. Today, I'm sharing an interview with Connie Oliver of Way Green Market, located in Waycross, Georgia. So, Gilliard Farms, we actually um, sell Easter eggs um, from Americanas, uh, which is a chicken breed, um, to, uh, through Way Green Market. Um, I happen to have a chance to meet Connie Oliver at uh, the restaurant, the Farm in the Larder, that I had um, some years back. And then um, we have also been part of Georgia Organics at the exact same time. And I never forget uh, Connie talking to me about a homestead guild that um, they had started and um, possibly doing cooking demos. And all of that has spun off into like, over a hundred miles radius worth of finding farmers and artisans, everything from bread. There's a cookie maker that's also, I believe, a part of it. Um, there's some herbalists. There's you name it. They have come together as one big tribe, and I am just loving it, especially with all that we look back on so far as 2020 um, and all the things that we've had to endure just as humans, as individuals. Um, and as a collective, or as Connie calls it, and she's going to talk about it some more, the tribe. So we look back at 2020, at what it looked like for Connie Oliver at Way Green, and for local farmers in the area. How are you doing, Connie? I'm great, Matthew. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Tell us a little bit about um, Way Green Market and um, what you got going on there and how long you all have been doing it. 
Okay. Well, we're in um, our fifth year of having uh, what we call Way Green Local Fair Market here in Waycross, Georgia. Um, we started the market five years ago after forming a little group. We call ourselves a tribe, Way Green. And um, we started with about three farmers, and we knew that that would not create a whole lot of interest to just have three farmers out um, under some pine trees. So we came up with the idea of having a local fair market and inviting not only people who grew food, but also people, uh, artisans as well. And so we've been doing that and it has grown uh, quite a lot. We do that once a month, the first Saturday of the month, and we've we've been very successful seeing over 750 people come out for a three-hour market there on uh, wow. under the pines. Wow, that's, that's amazing. So how many farmers are you up to now? Well, we're up to um, probably eight to ten now because we have really reached out to our community, our South Georgia, Southeast Georgia, I should say, community. And so we are not only doing that physical market, we're also doing an online market. And that has really, you know, given us a network of farmers. We now reach from uh, Quitman, Georgia, all the way over to Glen County, Brunswick, where you are. So that's a, what, a hundred mile radius almost? Oh, yeah. At least, mm -hmm. right? Okay. That's, yeah. So, you know, what? what's really been interesting, and one of the reasons I definitely wanted to have you on today, Connie, is because I think you all at Waygreen have created a system that I think um, with the right people involved could be easily duplicated. Um, so I, here's here's my first question. You know, this has been the most tumultuous year ever for farmers and restaurateurs and farmers markets and all of that kind of good stuff. Can you give me an idea of what it what the landscape looked like in the 2019 beginning of 2020 and how you all were able to make that shift? Because I know you say you now are delivering to maybe five counties right now, I think, almost. Yeah. yeah. We Well, what we saw was um, we normally start our physical market in May, but of course, when the you know covid hit which was you know march we were we were kind of we pivoted really to our online market which we had already done uh, about a year and a half before that uh, we had always wanted to try that that online market but we just we just really never put it into place so at the end of of 2019, beginning of 2020, we were already talking about doing an online market. We had gone to George, the Georgia Organics Conference and really looked at uh, um, some farmers up there that had come together and were doing a CSA market online. We knew we couldn't do a CSA online because people in South Georgia don't really, most of them don't understand the CSA model. So we wanted it where everybody could just order what they wanted and put it in a cart and order. So um, that's where we found ourselves really starting our season earlier than we would because of COVID. And um, we found ourselves in a really good place. 
uh, we reached out to as many farmers as we could, and we picked up a lot of new farmers that we had never made contact with. So it put us in a really good place. And uh, even now that we started back our physical market, we're still running that online market and calling it Way Green Groceries. And yes, we we you know we get our products from at least five counties, and we deliver to three. At, at this point. Wow. Yeah. So so you've really been able to hone in on on what's happening locally. So can can you give our listeners an idea of how you um okay, wait, first, are you a farmer? <laughs> no, I'm a backyard gardener. Okay. Okay. So how did you reach out and connect with um with these farmers? Especially, I mean, this year being as crazy as it was where people were just, you know, were mask on, mask off, you know, every possible imaginable scenario has fallen through. Um, How were you able to connect to farmers and get folks from that, you know, I mean, because that's a very large breadth of space. And, you know, like what you just said, 750 people coming through a farmer's market in less than three hours is a feat within itself. And I'm sure there's probably some farmer market managers like, I wish I could get that many. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, so what, I mean, kind of talk me through how you were able to connect to your farmers. Well, we had, you know, originally we had uh, two, two to three farmers that were involved with us and basically through their, their contacts. And then we would just reach out any way we could. Um, I, I would on Facebook, if I saw anybody that was selling greens or anything, I'd contact them. So and then as, as we reached out to these people, then I would go and visit the farm because that's one of our um, rules is that I have to go and visit a farm and make sure you actually grow what you say you're growing. Can you, can you talk us through some of that, connecting with the farmers and, and, and even why you want to physically walk up to their farm? Okay. Um, well, again, we did take, take the approach of the 100-mile radius because that was just, uh, as you probably know, that's if you're going to be a locavore, eat locally, that's what they suggest is a 100-mile radius. So that's really why we went with the 100-mile radius. Um, we we kind of say that it's regional uh, because sometimes we do stretch beyond that 100-mile radius, but we try to we do try to stay regional, and that to us is southeast Georgia mostly. Um, but one of the things that we really were concerned with were people that would go and maybe go down to Florida and get vegetables off of the dock that were, you know, not good enough for the grocery stores and then try to resell those. And that's not what we're about. We're about helping the local farmer. So we also, uh, Way Green, when we began, began kind of as a green, (laughs) green uh, organization. We've, we've kind of loosened up on that, but we prefer, let me say, people who grow uh, without chemicals, but our main focus is local. So before we ever began the market, it was one of our rules that somebody from Way Green would go and visit the farm and see what the practices were, um, just so that we would know that the people that were standing behind the booth at the market are the people that grew the product. And that's been our uh, that's been in the rules and it will continue to be. We don't want to become, you know, just another, we got went and bought something and sold it. We want the person who made the product 
or grew the product to be the one standing there making that face-to-face with the people that are coming to buy that product. That's awesome. That is so awesome. You know, you you also are, um, Way Green Market is staffed with primarily volunteers, am I correct? They, they, it's completely staffed with volunteers. No, completely staffed with volunteers. Wow. We, that's, that's amazing. We did receive a, uh, we received a grant through Wholesome Wave of Georgia, and they gave us some funding. And we also received a small grant from the Georgia Organics. We're a Georgia food oasis. And we, we got a small grant from them that gave us a st- some stipend money for some managers. And uh, so that's how we've been able to pay some some other people. But yes, we have been for five years running on complete volunteers. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back with Connie Oliver in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by Appeal. Here at HRN, we care about reducing waste across our food system, from farms to home kitchens. We know that about half of the produce we grow ends up in the trash. We all want to enjoy produce at peak freshness and reduce the amount that gets thrown away. That's where Appeal comes in. Appeal is a plant-based protective layer that helps produce last up to twice as long. It's edible, invisible, and imitates how peels naturally protect fruits and vegetables. Because here's the thing, less waste doesn't just mean we're throwing less food away. It also means we waste less water, energy, and other resources that go into growing produce. Appeal works with nature to reduce waste across the food system from the farm to the kitchen. Appeal helps us conserve our precious resources to ensure we have fresh food to meet our growing need. Appeal. Food gone good. Learn more at appeal.com. Welcome back to Jupiter's Almanac. Well, so there's two things I want to cover now because you've really brought something up. One is Chef Andy and him going by farmers. I want you to tell us what Chef Andy does. And he's a volunteer now. He's not he's not a paid chef to go out there. He, he's strictly volunteering. And then talk to me about what is a food oasis? I mean, that, isn't that like the opposite of a desert? Absolutely. Um, first, I'll hit on... Um on Chef Andy, one of our one of our volunteers, he it will tell you he is not a real chef, but we call him a chef. Um, he was a volunteer, and uh, he came to me and said, "I'd like to cook at the market." And I said, "Great." And what he wanted to do was go and get the product directly from the growers, take it back to his little cook station, and cook it and give out samples. So I said, that'd be great. And so he started that. And what we found was that whatever Chef Andy cooked sold out. Um, it, and it could be anything from um, lettuce. I mean, he's cooked lettuce. Mm-hmm. He but has. what he would... <laughs> It was quite good, too. <laughs> yes, yes. But he will take, uh, then he'll take maybe three or four different things. Like we have a, an Italian sauce that is made locally. Of course, we have pork 
local pork, local beef, uh, local chicken, local uh, goat cheese. And he'd take several of those and make just a small little dish. And um, every time he does that, those farmers will report that they had major sales after the people got a free sample. Wow. So, wow. That's, yeah. that's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, well, well, right. Well, you know what? Right before you start talking about the food oasis, something that I saw Chef Andy do that I was like, thoroughly impressed with is him getting the children that come to the market involved in the cooking demos how did how i mean just watching the kids not saying what they're not going to eat and then cook it and then eat all of it that's i mean how 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 did you get them to do that because you know kids are like the hardest that came uh that came about um a couple of ways Again, as I've said before, Way Green is, is we consider ourselves a tribe. Uh, we take the kids, we take everybody. And so one of our vendors' children, a couple of our vendors' children were there and wanted to help. And so he brought them over. And he has taught children to cook before, uh, knife skills especially. And so he loves to, to have kids help him. So they would come over and it, instead of sitting you know, by their moms and dads at their booth, they would come over and help Chef Andy. Then he, we started a program at the local library. Um, Andy went there and he taught, he did these same cooking classes and we gave out samples. And oftentimes we would also um, give away food um, through uh, gleaning gleaning program that we were a part of but he loves kids and believes that kids can be taught at a very young age knife skills and cooking skills so that's how that came about wow that's amazing i i i am like thoroughly excited to have one been able to witness that but also you know we're, we're always talking about this next generation of farmers we're talking about the next generation of consumers we talk about our next generation of uh young aspiring cooks and um anyone that's listening i just i would i would push you to say you know if you have a farmer's market and you're doing things that you make sure that going into 2021 that the children are literally like what's going to keep that tribe going so i'm like super stoked um a to hear about that and also to see what you all are doing so so talk to me now about a food oasis because um, I, I'm in the South. I'm, I'm in the Southeast. Um, I'm about an hour or so from you, 45 minutes, depending on how fast I'm driving. Um, mm-hmm. I've brought, uh, eggs to you all. Um, I've watched you all go from doing the farmer's market that you all are in where there's, you know, scarcity of like a lot of fresh, fresh vegetables and things like that, that are, you know, not the same five that you see at every grocery store kind of a thing to like farmers markets that have now grown to be on like St. Simon's Island and some other places. So walk me through the food oasis, because it's just, it sounds like the complete opposite of what people presume is happening in the Southeast, Um, especially for Georgia specifically, even though we're a major agrarian state. Exactly. Well, um, the Georgia food oasis is, um, that's a designation through Georgia Organics. And how I learned about that was when Georgia Organics had their conference in Tifton several years ago, we attended, which we always do. And um, I attended a, a um, one of the sessions was on Georgia food oasis. And in that 
um, session, I learned what other communities were doing. Um, and so afterwards, I was approached by a young lady, and she said, it sounds like that you'd be a great partner and a great, you know, to to apply. And so I said, okay. So I came back home, and we, we got together, and we actually applied to be, become a Georgia food oasis. Um, and so what that is is – Georgia Organics looks for uh, certain criteria for becoming a Georgia food oasis community. And those are, they look for people who are already working with other, they have organizational partners and that those partners are supporting the coalition with resources like people and space or funds. And so, um, Way Green had already had that in place. So we fell under, under that and we were accepted and, it has been nothing, it's been phenomenal what it has done for us here. We have resources available to us that we would never have had before. And um, I think there are about six designated cities, and we are the only one in southeast Georgia. The rest are throughout the state. But um, it, it has been phenomenal in the support that we have gotten for Georgia Organics. And like I said, out of that, out of that, we have gotten, like I told you a while ago, just some small grants that helped us uh, facilitate what we're trying to do here in Waycross. Awesome. 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 Well, Connie, I appreciate your time um, today, and it's been amazing to talk to you for the last 20 minutes or so. Um, give me some parting wisdom on what you believe we need to be thinking about as we go into 2021 after uh, you know, COVID-19 and, and all of the things that have, have popped up. Give me some of the things that you think that are, are going to be important going into 2021 so far as uh, us thinking about food and farmers markets and uh, uh, not, I was going to say the collective, but the tribe, like how to, how do you build a tribe? I, I definitely want you to, to slide that in there somewhere. Well, you know, one of my favorite sayings is we're stronger together. Um, we could never have done what we've done so far without working together. And it's building that tribe and, and really realizing that we must help each other. Um, we continue to struggle with finding more people. We know they're there. We're finding them slowly. But again, I think if we can continue to work together as one entity and people don't quite understand what Way Green is, but we're basically, we're not making, we're not trying to make money. We don't want to make money. What we want to do is make sure that our local farmers are successful. And we are even, we even offer uh, small grants so that our farmers can uh, get certified with uh, certified naturally grown. We offer that twice a year. So again, I think if we just need to not compete, but unite, um, I really hate competition. I think when we unite together and try to work together as one force, we're always going to be individuals and do our thing individually. But I think if we can come together as one entity, 
we're going to we're going to be stronger for doing that. And so that's what we're going to do in the future. We're going to continue to reach out to other farmers whomever are con, you know who want to come and be a part of it. We think our online market is really going to be the catalyst that's going to get us through some hard times because all you have to do is have get your product to us once a week. We sell it, we market it, we do all the work. So again, moving forward, uh Adding to our physical markets with the online market, I think, is going to really give us uh, give us a chance to survive and, and not just survive, but prosper as well. You know, you, you spoke earlier about the fact that you all had started an online market a few years back, but that you've revamped it. Can you give us a little peek behind the curtain on on how you were able to do that and what could possibly be available for others um, that's around the United States that could possibly help them? Um, either start or enhance what they're already doing. Yeah, what how we started was just really basic. We had a website uh, every week. I would put the I would put the products that were available up. We would uh, leave it up for a few days, uh, then let the farmers know what they what had been ordered, and then they would bring that to a distribution point, and then the people would come by and pick it up. And that's that was a lot. It was very labor-intensive on me. Um, I did that. I did all that, which, uh, you know, I, I would, I'd still gladly do. But what we found was that there were other, um, there were other thing, things out there that worked better than that. So, uh, we started looking and we came, we, we finally found one that worked really, really well for us. And it's, it's, it's free. Okay. Uh, be, free. Be, wow. Yeah. Free. Okay. Now they, uh, they certainly take donations right. and, uh, you know, without that, they, they're not going to keep going themselves. But the one that we found that worked for us, um, was, Open Food Network. They are na- they are international. Okay. Um, OpenFoodNetwork.net. Open food mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, we have a volunteer, Brett, who took on the task of really changing that over from what we were doing to what we are now doing. And it's it's a great it's a great site, and they work with you uh, really well. And so we were able then like I say, to, to make it not so time intensive. So every week now on Sunday, uh, Brett puts up the products that are available. The market opens um, on Sundays. It stays open until Tuesdays. Then we let our producers know what they sold. And uh, it's not just farmers. We also do uh, people who do breads and jams and jellies. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. have them as well. Um, and meats and shrimp. Mm-hmm. So then on a, on Tuesday that night, Brett sends out the uh, thing that's at the producer list and says, here's what you sold. And then on Thursday, they bring it to our distribution point here in Waycross. And then um, the people who live like in Brunswick, mm-hmm. we pick their stuff up and bring it in. The people who live over in the Valdosta Equipment Tifton area, they bring it to Brett. He brings it in. Then we put all the orders together. Then those same people take the orders back. And so it's just kind of, that's how it works. So, but. so it's definitely, so I, this is some amazing stuff that you're saying here. So you're, you're telling me that in a hundred mile radius, you have volunteers, you have farmers, 
you have built such a strong tribe that you all are willing to voluntarily bring food from wherever you are from the farmers that are there into the main main hub and then take food back. That's right. Okay. Now, when we talk about models, I want anyone that's listening to this to understand, if you can, please reach out to Connie Oliver, have a conversation with her because understand that she's working with volunteers. There is no one that's sitting there with their hand out saying, hey, I need a check to do X, Y, and Z. But what they're doing is figuring out a way. So they're, they're, everyone's still making money. That's what's really interesting because what you're saying is, is that you driving here anyway. So, so, so load up with mm-hmm. shrimp, even though you just bring in eggs, you know, or That's right. whatever it might happen to be. I, you know, that model, um, the model of also being uh, selfless, Within the thought process, like, yes, I, I, I am going to make what I need, but I don't need to have it all, so to speak. Um, I am really loving hearing that, especially as a message to end the year off with it. We are stronger together. We have to figure out a way to make it work, that it it may not be an automatic. Um, but like you said, it, it's taking you all a couple of years to get to where you are right now. but it has been worth it. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. And again, I think if you, as you know, if you have a passion for something, you'll, you'll put your all into it. And we are very passionate about what we do with local food. I thank you so much for your time. Again, I appreciate uh, learning about what a food oasis is. I appreciate hearing about things like volunteers and people just stepping up to the plate saying, this is what we need to be stronger together. I thank you so much, Connie Oliver. I wish you and Wade Green the best going into 2021. And I also look forward to you all being a stronger part of the HRN family. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you so much. No problem. You have a great evening and we'll catch up soon. So that's the show. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Jupiter's Almanac wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks this week to Connie Oliver. Our executive producer is Kat Johnson. Jupiter's Almanac is also produced by Dylan Hoyer. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. Our theme song was composed by the Joy Drops. Thank you guys so much. I love the music. Jupiter's Almanac is powered by Simplecast. Jupiter's Almanac is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio. Oh, and we want to hear from you. Our next season, we really want to hear all of the questions you might happen to have, either from this season or new questions. Send us any of those questions in writing or as a voice memo that we can help answer on the air at Jupiter's Almanac at HeritageRadioNetwork.org.